Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people in their 30s are on their quest to find love. I am Jen Sanford. That man speaking is the illustrious Kyle Marshall. Kyle, happy Friday. So good to be with you and not on a date. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to take that personally. Thank you. (laughs) You're going to own that. We'll be unpacking Mm. it in three weeks time. You look good tonight. Were you doing something special? You look freshly exfoliated. I was doing some kegel exercises wait a minute do you have a date after this no i don't i don't have a date after this i kind of wish i did have a date after this that'd be great but no i have been starting a new skincare regimen so maybe that's starting to to pay off i don't know is this is this an anticipation of your of your hot escapades with your crush that we've been waiting i don't know what 72 years for you to finally uh here's the here's the problem now jen this is if anyone has listened to even a single episode of this podcast you'll know that i am the master of sabotage. Sabotage! So my trip to New York is coming up here very, very soon. What I fear is twofold. I kind of mentioned this last week about like, I'm getting a little bit anxious and nervous that regardless of what happens, if they listen to these episodes, I'm going to be kind of mortified by it because here I am, a 38-year-old man scared to talk to a person, which is just cringy in and of itself but secondarily to that i'm starting to second guess myself like what does this actually look like because i don't really have a plan right it's like i'm gonna be in new york they're gonna be in new york something something profit like i don't know what like the actual plan is once once i arrive um tell me how you have obsessed about this man for Mm. months on end we have about forced... five months. We should put it into perspective. It's been about five months where I'm like, I really would like to try and pursue something with this gentleman. But at a certain point, it's like they're in New York. I'm in Calgary. That doesn't that doesn't uh, physically make sense of trying to do a long distance relationship. That's sabotage. That's sabotage right away. That's sabotage sure. right away. You're just sabotaging yourself before you even get started. Ah, yes. The Kyle Marshall treatment of self-sabotage before we even get out of the gate. Right. Mm -hmm. If you were a Kentucky Derby horse, we'd all be loaded into the chutes and you'd turn around. (laughs) And then the chute would open and you'd be like, oh, dude, I'm facing the wrong way. And coming up to the gate is shoots himself in the foot, shoots himself in the foot, has literally (laughs) shot himself in the foot. (laughs) I uh, and he eat the flowers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me that over you say it's five months. It feels like it's been five years. Tell me mm-hmm. over these five months, you have never not once thought about this meet cute moment where you're going to say. No, because here's the thing. I, I, the, the, the secondary thing that I am like terrified of is to make it seem like I have had this concoction in the back of my mind and have like manipulated things to like fall into my favor. Like I don't want it to come across as some sort of game I'm playing or some sort of like entrapment that I'm doing. I want to actually try to keep this as natural as possible. And what that looks like again, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I don't want to be like, okay, I'm going to make a plan. You have to meet me here. I'm going to be here. And then this thing is going to happen. And that's going to cause you to do this thing. And then it's all going to work out. That feels like too calculated and too planned. And I just don't, that grosses me out. I want to say this to you. As a friend, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Did you have like a flash mob planned? What are you talking about? I wanted to recreate the entirety of Notting Hill is what I wanted it to be. 
Yeah, like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm thinking more, you're thinking like, you know, you're going to go for a walk in Times Square. You're going to go, you know, you're going to go to Central Park. You're going to go, um, you know, see a show here. And then you're going to go for a great dinner here. And over dinner, you're going to say like, hey, man, I just got to tell you, like, there is something about you that really is phenomenal to me. And I have to admit that if you think there's something more than a friendship here, I think there could be. That's mm. what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about where you're like, I've rented every carriage in New York City. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> every horse carriage forms a heart and actually will be in the center of it. Jen, how about this? How about this for a rom-com? Could you come with me to New York City and I'll wear an earpiece and you'll be just out of sight and be feeding me lines and I will say whatever you want me to say in response. And I'm sure this yes. will work out perfectly. Yeah, totally. We'll just Cyrano de Bergerac it until until it just totally face plants. And then at some point I'll wind up with this guy and it'll be you'll wind up with Jesus. It'll be a whole big thing. But what I'm talking you, this is the problem. This is the problem. I think that there's a there's a name for this diagnosable problem. You have seen too many rom-coms. Mm-hmm. You have seen too many romantic. You need a Meg Ryan, Julia Roberts, Sandra Bullock detox, sir. This is what's happened. You have all this in your head. I'll start watching all the Chris Nolan movies and (laughs) completely rid myself of the toxins that are the romantic comedy. Well, they are the antidote, I'm sure. You got to calm down about this whole like dramatic apex point. You have to let go of the consequences. Like what's the worst that happens? We film this with you in New York. Well, yeah, here's the thing. Here's the here's the two major options, right? It's either a yes or a no. Like, really, at the end of the day, because even like a maybe is a no. So it's either a yes or a no. A maybe could be a yes. What are you doing? A maybe oh, come could be on. a yes. I come have been, on. I have been going on dates with a man. If you that say looks- maybe I'm coming to your event, that is a nice way to say no. Just FYI, if I ever say That's maybe to true. you. <laughs> yeah, good. Now I know. Well, I guess now <laughs> I know. And just for the record, if I say maybe to you, it really means I don't think I can, but I'm going to try my fucking hardest. Just so we're clear on the differences between maybe. My maybe means I absolutely don't want to do this, but I want to be nice to you. By me knowing that, it it's not nice. But with, without going down the semantic argument, it's either a yes or a no. And if it's a no, what I, I guess my biggest fear there is like, there's a breakdown in the semi-friendship that we have struck up. The plus side is like, is that worse than not finding out it's a yes? And there I don't think it is. Yeah, but you that you have a fallacy of your own argument there, because in my illustrious experience, and I think I speak for a lot of people listening right now, if it's a no, you won't even want to maintain a friendship with him where you're at, like the the rejection of it and the and the loss of the what's possible. You'll become disillusioned then and you'll move on anyway. So your choices are it's a yes. And there's something really great there. And there's something on the horizon for you. And we're all going to be cheering you on. Or the the opposite, which is like, it's a no, and then you'll move on anyway, and you'll find another crush. And, you know, this this endless overthinking will replicate itself because I'm in hell. Sorry, was that a lot? Are you speaking from experience, Jen? (laughs) All I'm saying is like, go get him, Tiger. Uh, How's your relationship scorecard going? Yeah, my relationship scorecard's fine. I think I'm morally focused on your relationship scorecard. No, I'm doing I'm doing fine. This man that I've been dating for a long time who looks strikingly like the the North American depiction of Jesus Christ. He's doing good. Uh, I think, honestly, Kyle, I'm driving him insane. 
I think I might be driving him insane. Because I'm doing this yo-yo thing where I... Okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this yo-yo between I want you to want me and I'm so peopled out that I might die. Like I'm one of those Mm. people that does really like my alone time. Like you and I have this in common. I think a lot of people are like this. You have your alone time. You like to be in your own space. But then like, I want to be wanted. So like, he'll be like, can you come over? Can you come over? Can you come over? And I'm like, oh no, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I just want to be on my own bed with my own stuff. And I just want to watch my Netflix and go to bed. And then I'm like, how come you don't ever ask me to come over? And he's like, well, because I'm trying to respect your space. You just said like, you're busy and tired and people doubt. And I'm like, do you not want me anymore? And he's like, I'm going to lose it. I think he feels like this is some sort of form of psychological torture. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. But I, I keep doing this flip-flop between these two things like a yo-yo. And the only thing that's honestly keeping me sane is that I think you would do the same if you were in a relationship. You'd be like, don't you want me? Play with me, play with me, play with me. I need alone time. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I'm like hot and cold. Why am I doing this, Kyle? Well, I mean, it goes back to our sabotage uh, argument here again. As soon as you get closer to something good, the more you want to run away from it. Uh, that's my psychoanalyzation of you. Or I'm trying to keep it good. I'm, I sometimes feel like I'm playing a game of no whammies. Like I got to get right. out before or like the briefcase game with Meghan Markle. Like I'm trying to get I'm trying to get a good deal before all of the valuations go down and I get a bad deal. Well, here's the thing. I think there's also probably like part of our brains. You and I have this over indulgence of self-preservation through i know that i only have so much that i can expend when i'm with other people right mm-hmm. and especially we're going actually out uh before my new york trip we're going out to major tom's not a sponsor but really should be one of our favorite should cocktail be. bars here in the city and i know because we're going out that night that i can speak to literally no one for like the six hours leading up to going out that night because there's gonna be a lot of stimulation we're gonna be talking I want to be engaging. Am I that exhausting? No, I mean, I'm going to be surrounded by other people too. And all of their energies are going to be feeding on me. And I'm going to be so exhausted if I'm like talking to people and doing too much that day with other people. I need to make sure that I'm preparing myself. And in a relationship, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, yeah, obviously I want to be with you. I want you. I want you to want me. But also I have physically expended myself. So I need my alone time, but also want you to be here, but can't reconcile those two opposite things at the same time. Yeah, I'm going to try to not take that like the the spin person in me. Like I'm going out with Jen Sanford on Tuesday night and I can be around nobody because she's so exhausting. That's okay. That hurts my feelings. You. It has nothing to do with Welcome you. to the last episode of Somebody Date Jen and Kyle where Kyle hurts Jen's feelings. Just don't try and hug me again, Jen. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Yeah, I learned a lesson there, people. Don't surprise Kyle with a hug. It's like, yikes. Yikes. <laughs> World War okay. three over here. But let me ask you this question. Like for you in your relationships, how much space do you need to breathe? I mean, I do, right? Like I am a very independent person. I've lived by myself for many, many years. Occasionally had roommates, but by and large, I've been by myself. There's good and bad parts to that, Jen. Just using this last week as the example. I mean, there was absolutely times where I came home. I've been at the office. I've been out doing podcast recordings. And it's like, oh man, no, it'd be really great to have someone to share this with and tell them about the funny stories that happened here today to mm-hmm. share with them about what they did today and have that kind of back and forth. And then in the last half of the week, I was like, I'm so glad there is nobody here in this house right now. Cause I would not want to see, I wouldn't want them to see how sad I am and have to try and think of a way to cheer me up. <laughs> like that would just kill oh, me. What do you 
do when you're sad? Do you just like go home and be by yourself? Like, I'm always amazed that you never reach out, but maybe you're reaching out to your other qualified friends. No, it's all about internal suppression. (laughs) Just Just push it down (laughs) as far as I can. And I'm not even joking here until a time where I'm watching a movie or a commercial comes on right before a YouTube video and I burst out into tears because it has to let itself out somehow. Really? I have to just say that you might not not have survived in the Sanford household. My father was always famous for saying, why don't you keep your feelings on the inside like a winner? Oh my God. (laughs) I am not a winner, Jan. I have so many memories. I have so many memories of him saying that. And I think I've replicated that. I think I've said that to other people. I'm like, you know what? Why don't you keep your your feelings where you keep your opinions on the inside where no one can see them, where no one has to be part of them? I just keep picturing you at home looking at yourself in the mirror with like one little solemn tear rolling down your No, it's 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 well actually much more sad than that, which is it's usually like me laying on my bed scrolling through like Instagram or Twitter and just trying to keep my mind off of things. Like it's just like hyper focus on this thing that I have no control over. Really, it just wells up, hey? Like, it just builds mm-hmm. up. And have you been like that all your life? Uh, like, were you? A- yeah, I think as far as I can remember. Yeah. Are your siblings like this? No, my brother probably more so. My sister is very expressive with her emotions. <laughs> oh. she'll, she'll tell you exactly what she thinks. That doesn't yeah. sound loaded at all. She will not suffer a slight. Let's put it that way, right? Like, if something is not going, like, she will let it know. And I won't. I will let it fester and uh, corrupt my soul. Again, that Tinder bio just writes itself. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel like with being a person who needs a lot of alone time and then needs like really wants to be affectionate with somebody? Do you feel that you come across as being like inconsistent? I guess inconsistent is a word. I think the other word that people have used to describe me is cold. But that's also because I'm trying desperately not to hurt other people. So it's this weird like teeter totter effect that happens, which is like there's no way to say this without making it sound like a big humble brag. I feel so much like for other people with other people and value their opinions and their emotions that I take a lot of that on myself, but then don't outwardly show it. So I like I take it on, I take it on, take it on without expressing emotion. And people take that to mean that either I don't care or that I am, like I said, cold when I actually feel I'm the exact opposite. The hilarity of this like entertains me endlessly because I remember going out for dinner with a girlfriend and I had mentioned you, I think, twice in a short succession of time. And she was like, Mm -hmm. who is this Kyle person? And I was like, oh, Kyle is a person that I'm trying to get to get to be my friend who does not give one remote shit about me. I'm trying so hard to be that person's friend. It's honestly demoralizing at this point. And she was like, (laughs) oh, that's that's a goal. I was like, yeah. It's a weird goal. I don't know what it is about it. I'm just like, I want to be part of Kyle's world. And you were like, eat shit. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm on a podcast with you. Never once did I say those words. Never once did I say those words. And then I'm on a podcast with you two years later and you're like, oh, I just feel so much and for so many people. And I'm like, yeah, except me. No, that's not true. That's not true. Maybe I can just be the exception of the rule. That's okay. You consistently tell me that I hurt your feelings. And then I think about that for like the next five weeks. No, you do not. And being upset by it. You do not. No, I a thousand thousand percent do. You like to rewrite history a little bit with (laughs) that first interactions with us. (laughs) Yes, you do. No. Because one, I don't think I even clocked in that you were trying to be a friend. I thought we were just like. That's how bad I am at um, it. Client, client v podcast producer and then secondarily to that it was just like are you trying to set me up with someone that's what it felt like too for for the longest 
time. And then you just wore me down. You finally wore me down enough <laughs> to be like, I guess fine. We'll go and see a movie, I guess. I don't know. I'm very boring. I'm a very boring person. Yeah. yeah and even still, every time we go out, who instigates? Jen does. All the time. <laughs> it's fine. It's just, it's okay. It's, there'll be one day. There'll be one day. Because you've booked us for like the next four months. I haven't looked that far ahead. Uh, yeah. Okay. Whatever you're going to tell yourself, Mr. Marshall, that's fine. That's mm. fine. We're way off topic. So let me let me get us back to the fishbowl. Let's go to the fishbowl. Sure. Let me just give it a swirl around. Ooh, big fishbowl today. Here's your keys, sir. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to keep those keys, you know, because it'll give me a key to that apartment. I'm trying to, for those of you who have been listening, I'm trying to get into Kyle's apartment. You want to invite me? Don't invite me on the podcast. This is where you go. Jennifer, comma, go ahead. Jennifer, comma, I'm going to New York soon, so I, I can't. There's too much stuff to do. This is such horseshit. I'm trying to suffocate you. Why won't you let me? Question is, I just don't associate space with, po- with positive thoughts. I've always viewed space mm. as a nice way of telling someone to go away. I have yet to convince myself that if I give my boyfriend of two years the space that we both need, we would have a better relationship and maybe move ahead. We are attracted to each other and we have a good time when we're together and I trust him 100%. But does giving a guy space have positive outcomes for a relationship or is space the kiss of death? Kyle? Yes, it has positive outcomes. I think quality relationships require both parties to separate. One, to kind of get out of that headspace. Also to, you know, just like decompress from the relationship itself. Not that that's a bad thing. It, it always kind of surprises me when i see other relationships where it's like we do everything together right we we're on the same book clubs and we go to the same sports events and we do this together and that together like don't you want to like separate for uh, a few moments like i have i think this is the reason why they have like those like girls nights men's nights whatever it happens to be just so you can separate and then come back together and and be better and stronger together those nights are to generate revenue those are not social experiments. Uh, Those are to generate revenue. Next, you're going to tell me that wing nights are just lost leaders to come and make me buy beer. <laughs> Anyways. No. <laughs> I, I guess I don't know how to help with kind of the very beginning part of this question where it says you don't associate space with positive thoughts. And I'm literally exactly the opposite. I feel like I can't actually think properly unless I am by myself, whether that's in the shower while driving in my room or something at night as I'm getting ready for bed. Like, that's when I have those quality, like, thinking moments. Oh, my God. That was a lot. That was a lot of bad advice. We are very unqualified. We're answering this as two people that really like space. So this sucks. But let me just say. But you can't tell me that someone that you should not, that you should be doing everything together all the time. No, but that's not what this question is asking. This question is like, you know, we we're we're going to have some space. But what we don't know is what did the relationship look like before the desire for space? Were you together every single day and now mm. your boyfriend is like, I need some space? Because that's his really nice way of saying, we done. We don't have any precursor to how they got to this moment. So I think sure. how you get to the moment matters. If you're right at the beginning and he's like, hey, listen, we've hung out every day. I need some time to like do my laundry and be at home and be alone and do all my single self behavior. Like, you know me, like to read my economist, yeah. eat my crackers over the sink. I need that time. But if they've been together for like two years and they've been together every day and now he's like, I need space. He's he's moving on. He's moving on. I guess I don't. I guess you're right. I don't understand maybe then what she means by space. If if that is the case, then yes, that is probably a bit of a red flag. Then you can tell that it doesn't work for her because what you guys can't see because you're listening 
What you can't see is that every time she refers to the word space, she has it in quotation marks. Like it's some Mm. loaded term. She's like, I don't associate space with positive thoughts. Like you can just tell by the way in which this question is worded that no matter what he's asking for, she's not down for it, which means they're at an apex point where they want different things. I am reading this and thinking, yeah, you done. You done, girl. So join us next week for Somebody Date, Jen and Kyle and Natalie. I've been in several real long-term relationships in my life, and my number one complaint is that more of them than not have wanted so much space. Now, to be sure, I'm not a clinger or anything like that. However, I do require much less alone time than the average person, I think. I love spending time with, with the person I'm with. And while I do value having separate lives, I have great friends and hobbies. When it comes down to it, I've never gotten sick of of my partner that I've been with because I love them and I love being with them and it brings me joy. Okay. Mm -hmm. What I've noticed over the years in relationships and in casual dating is that men seem to require an inordinate amount of alone time. And I'm beginning to wonder if it's something I should take personally or is it just a thing? What do you think, Kyle? You want to answer for all men? Best of luck. Yeah, I'm going to answer for all men. I'm not a behavioral scientist. I have no idea. I don't know. I just straight up don't know what normal alone time is. To me, this feels like extrovert versus introvert. She obviously gets more energy being with people when she's around them and it feeds off of that. And some of these relationships she's been in it might be the exact opposite of that. Both the people I've dated and my family members. Yes, most men that I know of need to go around and tinker away at something to like free their mind. Don't know what that is. For my dad, it's woodworking. For me, it's usually like, this is so nerdy, making spreadsheets of films I want to see. That's an actual thing that I do. Or whatever it is. I do think that there is something to it where a lot of guys just like to tinker around, be by themselves and have that zone out time where they don't have to be around anyone. Yeah, this is hard because every time that I really talk about like wanting alone, this actually just happened to me at work. Someone was saying like, hey, do you do you live with your boyfriend? And I was like, I don't have a boyfriend. I just have a man I'm going on dates with. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, psychopath. Yeah. Do you do you ever think you would live together? I no, thank you. You know, do you think you'll get married? No, thanks. That's offensive. I'm not that kind of girl. And, you know, don't you you guys like hanging out? Slap them across the face. How dare you? How dare you? How dare I'm a good, I'm a good woman. You know, do you think you'd ever, you know, live together, get married? No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. And people will comment. That feels like such a masculine energy. So I think Mm -hmm. we also have a bias in society that really matters because that manifests itself as such odd behavior as though I should be socially wired to just put on my apron, bake a pie and, and, you know, do my best to, you know, marry as soon as possible. And I was like, yeah, I did that. It's called 24 years old. And it worked, it worked out tragically. So great. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, I think that she's asking the question of like, I think she's trying to get herself out of jail by saying like, is it me or is it the gender? I do think it's the gender, but I also think that maybe her, her expectations are unrealistic, right? Like you, people need alone time. People need alone time. And she's just really high on the spectrum of being very extroverted and wanting to feed off the energy. I think you're right. But I do, I do think there has to be a practicality that no matter who you end up with, both of you at a certain point in time will need a lot of space. 
a lot of space. I think that's why it's so hard to support people through things like grief, because grief mm. is at the end of the day, a very solitary experience. And I think a lot you of have relationships, to work through it yourself in a way. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of relationships struggle because all of a sudden one person really goes introverted and it's especially difficult for people who are used to supporting someone who's extroverted. So they have extroverted traits to try to help them because they feel it's congruent with who they are. And then they start to do all these introverted things. And you're like, I don't know how to support this person because this, this behavior is so widely different. And of course, introverted people in grief become even more introverted. Not that I want to make this super depressing, but I think that it's worth noting that like you're going to have moments of struggle and you're going to have moments where you are going to become more introverted. I think she's better suited to maybe prepare herself that she's like, I think there's some situational awareness here. She's high on the side of needing a lot of attention and just connection. And that mm -hmm. may not be realistic. And I think she can ask the question for forever, like, oh, is just just the gender? But I think she might be using it as a get out of jail free card. Yeah, I agree. Interesting. Bold tonight, Kyle. All right. I like my, <laughs> oh, I like my exercise when I want, activities when I want, sleeping when and how I want, going shopping when I want, etc. I mean, I am sure that many, many couples work through this just fine. I just don't know if I could handle this sort of shared space arrangement for the long term. Will this keep me from a long term relationship? I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm reading the fine print here. It says this was uh, submitted by Jennifer Sanford. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely prevented me from having a long term relationship by the looks of it. So I, I sympathize with this to a degree. Right. When you live the single life, you can. It's like, oh, this movie plays in 20 minutes. Yeah, sure. Why not? I'm going to go right now because nothing mm -hmm. holds me back. I can decide when I want to do this. I want to have ice cream for dinner. Guess what? I'm having ice cream for dinner and no mm -hmm. one's going to judge me for it except myself in the mirror later tonight. So <laughs> and that's just so how. I get it. But I don't know. I, I, I in, a, in a way, when I read this type of commentary or see these types of questions, there's no way else to say this. It feels super like narcissistic to me. It's like, how could I possibly think of the feelings of another person? Ugh. How disgusting would it be to actually consider that somebody else has feelings? Like, that's kind of the, the, the subtext that I get to it. Well, yes, it's great to just do whatever you want whenever you want. I think sometimes the beauty of having that partner in your life is, you know, planning to go together, doing something. Or, hey, tonight I'm going to a movie by myself with friends and you get to go do whatever it is you want to do with your friends tonight. Because you know what, Jen? Nothing is sexier than planning. Ah. <laughs> uh. I know a person I'm going on dates with that is laughing so hard that you just said that because that's all I talk about. I'm always like, let's make plans. Let's have a plan. Let's make a plan. There's nothing more I hate more than waking up in the morning and asking for two hours. What do you want to do today? I like to wake up with intention and live my day. Welcome to why I'm single. You're going to love how I've planned my New York trip by being like, so to that day, I'm going to get up. I'm going to wander the streets for four hours. That's my plan. Yeah, but at least that's a thing. At <laughs> least that's a thing. Like I'm headed to Italy in the spring and I have like a laminated sheet of activities and coordinated outfits. It's just how I work. Please, please tell me you have the outfit of the uh, the people who drive the boats. You know, the big brimmed hat, the striped shirt. <laughs> the striped shirt, and the red you belt. You have one picture of that. Yeah, of course. Of course. I relate obviously to this. I love that you said, I feel like this question could have been submitted by you. And then went on to talk about how narcissistic the person that wrote yeah. it was. So that hurts my feeling. That's fine. Um, Great. I, I'll think about that for the next five weeks. Yeah, abs 
So just ruminate on it. Just barf it up and swallow it again and just, yeah, stay with it, go. What I think matters here is, I do relate to this so much, but what matters here is that he's tapped into something that matters because with a relationship does come something new, but does come change. And with change comes loss. There is loss. And I think mm-hmm. I feel this way also with people who have children. Everyone's like, oh, you must be so happy of this brand new baby. But there's always that small veneer of people who are like, I can never just go to the movies. Mm-hmm. I can never just do what we want. We can never just be like, hey, it's wing night. You want to go out? Like you just, no, there is loss. <laughs> there just is loss. And I think that what he's talking about is the trade-off for that loss. Like, will I be fulfilled enough, enamored enough, comfortable enough, fulfilled enough, independent enough to offset the loss that's going to come from losing my freedom? And I relate to this because I, I, I was only really able to articulate this when I turned 30, which was that, you know, all my life, I really was a dutiful daughter. I did as my parents asked, no matter how ridiculous. I just was like in service to my parents. I was taught that that's what you did. You were dutiful and you were a part of the team. And so I just did as my parents asked. And my grandparents were by proxy of that. They were hugely uh, influential people in the choices I was going to make. Went to the universities they picked and like I did all those things. Mm-hmm. And then the moment I graduated from university and I had like this this small doorway to freedom, I got engaged and got married. And then I was in service to the vision of my husband and his very overbearing family. So I wasn't until I reached like my 30s that I was like, oh, I actually can pick something different for myself. So of course, then I panic and go back into a long-term relationship. But now I think that this is manifesting itself with Jesus because now I'm like, I don't want to give up my freedom. I have been in service to so many things. My own choices have not really truly been my own for so much of my life. I don't want to give up that freedom now that I know and appreciate how rare and how lucky I am to have it. I mean, do I feel sad that all my friends have kids and I don't? Yeah, I, there's moments where it really, really eats me. Then there's, you know, 30,000 things that I get to do when I want to do how I want to do it. And I'm like, I strikingly feel better. <laughs> and yes, that does make me a terrible person, but it happens. And I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to change that then, Jen? I'm not. I'm just going to keep going on dates with Jesus. Just going to keep going. Yeah. Next question. I am the partner with the most energy. So I do most of the physical stuff like walk the dog, chores, cooking in the evenings. He usually is parked in front of the TV. As soon as I sit down, finally at the end of my day, he's wanting massages. He wants me to watch and pay attention to whatever he's watching, even if it doesn't interest me. I'd rather work on my jewelry or play a game on my phone or just unwind, which he interrupts all the time. He often falls asleep on my lap and I tap him gently to get up to go to bed. He gets really annoyed that I don't just let him sleep draped over my lap. I'm not sleeping, so we do have to get up at some point. I think this behavior is affecting my libido. I'm sorry, is is that her partner or is that the dog? No, it's the partner. Oh, okay, okay. The partner. (laughs) Well, that is such a telling answer to what you're going to answer, answer in this question, what you're going to say about this. I think this behavior is affecting my libido, she says. When the opportunity for sex arises, I don't want it anymore. I just want to be left alone to sleep. Whenever a couple is on TV being sexual, he says, you used to be like that when, when I did, oh, you used to be like that when I did that. And it just honestly pisses me off. Mm -hmm. I've always been a bit independent, but I've never had complaints from my exes about a lack of affection. I don't know how to deal with this. Is it normal or what? 
Well, I always hate that question, normal, because oh, who knows too. what normal is. But disregarding that for a bit, I think the issue here is that the relationship has shifted from a romantic one to a parental one. And I think that's yes. maybe partly why your libido is going away is because he is asking like the child in the relationship. You, of course, have now become the parent. And of course, you don't want to have sex with that. I don't know. That's me. Maybe psychoanalyzing a bit more, but that's uh, that's what I feel. The beginning of this question, as so many of these questions do, tips us off to everything. She's doing everything and he's sitting in front of the TV. I wouldn't want to have sex with you either. Like, let's let's be honest. Like she she doesn't feel valued. She doesn't feel like they're working as a team. And that often will manifest itself as sexual dysfunction. I think that falls into the category of pretty normal. Right. When things come out of whack, sex is the first thing to go. Sex is the first mm-hmm. thing to become dysfunctional, right? So I think what's, yeah, I think you're exact. I love what you just said there about like the parent-child relationship. You guys either need to get a, a life vest and get a rescue or you need to be done. Um, yeah. Because I, I think that, you know, you're not compatible. You don't have similar interests. You, you're starting to gripe at each other, right? Like, uh, yeah, you either need a life vest to get, to get talking some of this stuff through or you got to be done. But I wouldn't can carry on like this. This sounds really... This sounds really terrible. No, this is not tenable. Yeah, this sounds really awful for you. I'm sorry to hear that. Get help or get out. That should be an episode title. I know. (laughs) I love that. Next question. I can't sleep with my partner. Seriously. The cuddling until my arm goes numb. The cavalry of little bruises from where knees bump up against one another. The moments when I can't roll over because he's rolled onto my hair. I just can't do it anymore. Am I doomed to be single again? I guess the question I would ask, is it him that you're upset with or is it the acts you're upset with? Because I think that's a fundamentally different answer. I somewhat sympathize with this question because I've always had this weirdness with, um, I guess, some of the standards, which is like the holding hands or the, yeah, like someone like resting on my arm for too long. It's like after a while, like my hands getting sweaty and this isn't actually comfortable anymore or like my arm is actually going numb and this isn't great for me anymore because my blood flow is being restricted i love cuddling it's one of my favorite things to do i love i've said in previous episodes in this one i like the physical touch but the like the sustain of just like holding hands or having someone rest on their arm i too i'm like uh can we do something else move somewhere like shift this so it's not so painful or weird anymore but then ultimately yes is it him that you're getting upset by or is it just the act that you're getting upset by that's what i would ask Yeah, I think we also have to look at how touch exhaustion is a real thing. Mm -hmm. We can get exhausted from being touched. And if it's if it's a big change for you, like we don't know from this question, like how long they've been together, but it can manifest from anywhere. You know, Jesus has two little two little kids and they are just awesome. They're like super fun and weird. And I like everything about them. Mm -hmm. But it took me so long to get used to the touch, pick me up, play with me. Even when they sit, mm-hmm. you could have a couch that is 14 meters long and they are going to sit right against you, right? You go yeah. to a restaurant right next to and, you. You, yeah, yeah. and you better hope that you can eat with your, with your elbows on your knees because you're not, you're not spreading your wings at all to with a knife and fork. Literally anytime I go and visit my niece and nephew, it's like, there's no sense of physical boundaries. It's like right in your nope. face. It's like, what do you want to do? Can you do this? It's like, okay, yes, we can. But. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it took me like, it's so ch- cute and charming, but it took me so long to get used to 
being touched that much and that often. And I've, I, I've, I've talked about often how little I was physically touched or, or affectionately touched as a, as a child. It just, everybody had a big bubble of their own space. So it's been a real adjustment for me. And I can say that in relationships, this has been something that has been tricky. Like the, especially when you're under pressure. I talked about this last week too, especially when you're under pressure. Like if you have a big set of meetings the next day, and it's just constantly like you feel like this person's sleeping on top of you. You're just like, I can't do this with you. I can't do this with you. Like one of the things that I think is important is like when I stay at Jesus's house and I've talked a lot about how much I struggle to sleep there. One of the things I just really dislike is his mattress. I've even offered to replace it because I hate it so bad. Like, hey, if you want me to stay here, I'm all good with it. Can I buy you a new mattress? And he's like, no, thank you. I like this shitty mattress. And we literally will roll into one another. It drives me crazy. I don't know. My microphone's fucked. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. You're probably hearing it gripe. This is this is why this is why I've said this and been made fun of on previous episodes. Why separate beds are a good idea. I'm just saying. Yeah, but you're missing the problem that you have. You have you have a, a different problem than the rest of us do. You don't sleep enough days to get used to it because the <laughs> first day it's like sexy, romantic and hot. The second day it's just hot. The third day it's like kind of bad. And then the fourth day you're kind of like, oh, I kind of crave this person. I'm in a routine. Mm. I'm in a rhythm. I'm in a pattern with that person. Like you're not giving it enough days. You need to sleep okay. with someone for more days and, and report back. That's you know what, Kyle? I'm giving you that as a homework assignment. You have to do four days in Sleep bed with, with someone and report back. <laughs> and take two aspirins and call me in the morning. Uh, last question here. I have this insatiable need to want to be wanted. What's wrong with me? I don't think that's a problem. What? You don't think that's a problem? I don't think it's wrong to want to be wanted. That's, that's, mm, it I think depends. I'm just saying that I think the idea of like, I want someone to look at me and be like, oh my God, that is a beautiful person and I want them to be in my lives. That's a cool feeling to have. It's another podcast I listened to and they kind of brought up this subject about how there is something special when you're having sex with someone, you know, and your clothes come off and their reaction is not revulsion. It's like, oh, like I want to go further with this. Like that's a cool experience to have. Yeah, they want you uh, more. Even if you have body issues yourself, they want you more. So I don't think that in and of itself it's wrong to want to be wanted. But you have to really be careful about this because you can go down what I like to call the Lisa Simpson path, which is like grade me, love me, love me, love me, validate me, validate me. That can be a super dangerous thing. And I've often wondered if I'm not falling into this with Jesus is that mm. the reason why I have so much push pull is because I have times where I'm like, yeah, I'm good about myself and this is where I'm at. And then I have these other moments where I'm like, I'm 39 years old. No, do you want me still? Like, look at my body. Do you want me? Do you want to be with me? Do you want? <laughs> and he's like, whoa, crazy. I think that's that's where this, we have to define insatiable different because the idea of saying like, I want someone to want my body because I love my body and I want to show off my body and I want to explore with my body mm -hmm. and I want to be wanted. That's a really empowering thing to be. The other flip side of that is going to be like, please validate that I'm worthy. Please validate that I'm worthy by wanting me. And if you don't want me, who else would want me? I think we have to be really careful around where the motivator comes from. Is it to honor the capabilities that you see in yourself? Or is it to try to mitigate the deficits that you see in yourself? That's what matters. That's the question I think you really need to ask to know if there's something wrong with you or not. Yeah, absolutely. If you're relying on someone else to have that outward validation and that's the only way you can get validation, then there can be a problem.
Well, that was our fishbowl here, Jen. People can go and submit their own questions to the fishbowl by going to somebodydatejenandkyle.com. That's Jen with two N's. Guess the fishbowl is there, but there's also the question of the week that you can go and answer that we can use to compile future episodes. What's the burning question this week, Jen? The burning question this week is this. What is the balance, the mathematical balance between time spent with a partner and time spent alone? Before I tell Mm. you what I read, what do you think it is percentage wise, the balance between time alone and time together? I would say. Okay, wait, wait, wait. We'll do it Oscar style. What do you think it is? And then what do you want it to be? I am going to guess that what it actually is, is 85% together, 15% apart. That's probably what like the statistical findings are. Okay. If I'm being totally honest, it would probably be like 60-40 for me. <laughs> I know okay. that's a lot, but that's on. I have to be honest with probably how that's I would fine. want it. I went into the article thinking 50-50, but again, I don't live with a partner because if I did, I'd never right. be home. So oh, we... <laughs> I'd never be at home. They'd be like, are you coming home? Courtesy of the peony gardening, Martha Stewart. Hmm. Uh, the, the bottom line is this. It's 70-30. They say science suggests that the happiest, most harmonious relationships have 70% of your time together and 30% of your time apart. They argue that that gives everyone the freedom to explore their own interests while still being rooted into the relationship. And I like that they phrase it that way. Like you have to be rooted into something. Right. The science is in that they say that most couples, and I I think that this resonates here, most couples today do not spend enough time alone or with Hmm. others in other pursuits. And the result of that becomes relationships that lose their spark too quickly. I agree Hmm. with that. The, The imperative, they say, to being alone is that like new experiences and ideas and and new sort of adventures bring oxygen back into the relationship because it becomes something that you can talk about and something that you can explore and something that you bring back to share. And I think that that's something that I really do love about Jesus is that when we're apart and we come back together, we have lots to talk about because like this thing happened, this thing happened, how'd that thing at work turn out? That had that thing go? What'd you do? How's Kyle? You know, all those great things mm-hmm. that we talk about. And so I like this. Do you, what do you think of this? Do you think this is bullshit or do you think this is good? Well, I definitely agree with the idea that it is important to spend time apart. And honestly, even over like the last couple of years where everyone was kind of forced to be together all the time, there were a bunch of relationships that I know that didn't last through that because they were spending mm-hmm. just way too much time together. So I do think that there is something to be said about spending time apart. So definitely I agree with that. 70-30, by the way, is also the split of time that Martha Stewart wants to be making versus drinking prison wine. So that's a good... <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say something related to Snoop Dogg there. I do think that this has the balance. Like my girlfriend broke up with her boyfriend during COVID, as we all know couples that did. And I was like, what was the axe? Like, what was the fun? What finally did it? And she just, you know, between sips of her martini just said, quantity time. (laughs) We had quantity time and we were a relationship built on quality time. So we broke it. We broke it. And I think that that happens more often than we admit. I don't know. Like if you're in a relationship right now and you guys have nothing to talk about, you're spending too much time together. Or you're so stocked on bitter old resentments, you've turned into my parents. You know what? I often wonder if that's, I think we've all been in those situations, whether it's in our family or family, friends, whatever, like the older couple, right? The elderly couple who just like throw little barbs at each other. Like they're just like at each other's throats. I often think, is that the case? They're just spending all of their time together. If they just had this hobby where they could separate, they wouldn't be 
as bad with each other. Mm-hmm. Ralph has just had enough of Martha's bullshit, okay? He Absolutely. just needs some time to himself. Absolutely. Again, I thought you had a Snoop Dogg joke in there, but okay, no. you missed it twice. So that's the burning question. You can submit questions of your own. We want to hear them. Uh, this came from uh, from a listener who submitted this question and we built a whole episode around it. So thanks, Mark. Mm-hmm. You can reach us on our website, somebody date Jen and Kyle. That's jenn.com. You can send us an email. We are somebody date Jen and Kyle. Again, jenn at gmail.com. And we don't have some intern checking them. We're checking them ourselves. When I'm trying to not be angry and Kyle... Actually, we just hired Snoop Dogg, actually, to, to read through <laughs> our emails. There you got it! There's one. <laughs> there it is. It's us uh, scrolling through and deciding, like, what the community wants to hear. So totally uh, reach out to us. You can reach us on our social channels. We are on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, at SomebodyDate. And I feel so proud that we have the same hashtag, the same mm-hmm. handle for all of those. This has been another episode of Somebody Date Jen and Kyle. I am Jen. That is Kyle. That's it for us this beautiful, gorgeous Friday night. Wherever you are listening, thank you for joining us on this quest for love. We don't want to suffocate you, so we'll see you next week. In the meantime, stay safe out there. Good night. Bye. Bye.